Good morning, Village Church. Hope you guys missed me last week. Hope you ain't thinking about hiring Adam in my place. It's good to be back at home. I do have some more good news. I am getting the pulpit built. A member from one of our sister churches is going to donate a pulpit to us. So I'm excited about that. So I will no longer have to use the music stand here in the future. So if you have your Bible, please open it to Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 8. Judges 7, verses 3 through 8. Every season of your life and every moment of your life and and every journey of your life has its ups and downs, its highs and its lows. Those seasons and those moments and those journeys tell a story. They tell a story. They tell a story of your life, past, present, future. You see, these seasons and moments of journeys are, are real, are true life, true life short stories. Short stories of your pain, your conflict, your joys, your failures, your successes, your blessings, and your hurts. The short stories of your life, they were vary from different seasons and moments, but their conclusion would always be the same. The conclusion of your short stories will always be the same. It will always end with the same acronym. All God, all day. A-G-A-C. All God, all day in your life. It's all God, all day in your life because the battle belongs to Him. The battle belongs to the Lord. This is always true in your life, my life, and it's true definitely in Gideon's life right now. Because if you remember, Gideon and the 32,000 men have come together to face the Midianites. But as we saw, they they can't go to battle yet because the Lord needs to show them something. Yahweh needs to show them that the battle doesn't belong to them. The battle belongs to him. So he hits the brakes on Gideon. He pulls back the bow a little more and he tells Gideon to wait. Because the Lord sees something that he doesn't see. He understands something that Gideon doesn't understand. For there is an issue that the Lord needs to deal with. And he does. He does deal with it. He tells Gideon that the 32,000 men with you are too many. Too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. Why? Because the Lord knows his people. He knows you. He knows if he delivers them with this many people, the Israel, Israelites are going to take all the credit. He knows that they're going to be tempted to say that my hands has done this. Our hands have delivered us. And God does not want that response. He doesn't want that response from his people. So he gives Gideon a solution to his issue. And that solution will show that the battle belongs to the Lord and not him. So if you have your Bible, Judges chapter 7, beginning in verse 3. Well, I'll start with verse 2. 
The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the men, people returned, and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, Again, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them there for you. Any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any of whom I say shall not go with you, shall not go. So Gideon brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, every man who licks the water with his tongue as a dog licks, you shall set him by himself. And likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who, who licked, putting their mouths to the water, was 300 men. And all the rest of them knelt down to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men who licked, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took possessions in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. This is God's word. Let us pray. Father, as we come to the preaching of your truth, every week we need the Holy Spirit. Every week we need him. Not just in certain areas, but we need him in every area of our life. And so if we're going to receive what we need to receive today from the preaching of your truth, if I'm going to be able to receive it, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to do a work in our heart today. We can't change our own hearts. I can't change hearts. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And so, Holy Spirit, we need you to come. We need you to be the counselor. I know I pray this every week. I pray because I believe it's true. But if you don't move, nothing happens. Lives are not saved. People are not set free if you do not move. So, Holy Spirit, move. Not for our glory, but for the glory of Christ. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The Lord's solution is to the issue is an army reduction. That's his, that's his solution. He's going to reduce the size of the army. He's going to subtract men from Gideon. So first, the Lord's reduction of the army comes through a voluntary reduction. The men are given the option to voluntarily leave. You see, the Lord's actions here is countercultural to what any human general or commander would do on the verge of battle. Do you know any general that would say, I'm going to send people home on the verge of battle when you're already outnumbered? When you already had 32,000 men, you're still outnumbered. No, a human general would say, you better man up and woman up and take up a post. You're not going home. You're here to fight. I'm not sending anyone home. There would be no voluntary reduction. But here, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to him, and he wants a reduction. He's countercultural. And I'll tell you, his solution does not make sense to me. It may make sense to you, but it does not make sense to me. It seems illogical to me, and I don't understand it. But here's the thing with our God. He doesn't need our approval to do what he's going to do. He doesn't need our approval. He sits in the heavens, 
and he does what he pleases. He says in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my way is not your way. As far as the heavens are high, as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than yours, and my ways than yours. This is God. I got this, he's saying. I have it all under control. He does what he pleases, but he also knows what he's doing. He not only does what he pleases, but he knows exactly what he's doing. So keep calm. Yahweh has you. He has you. Keep calm. He says in Numbers 23, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son a man that he should change his mind. As he has said, will he not, will he not do? Will not God stand up to his word? Will not God keep his promises? Yes, he's going to keep his promise to Gideon. He's going to keep his promise to you. He promised to, to use Gideon to defeat the Midianites, and he's going to do that. But he's going to do it in such a way that he gets the glory. He's going to do it in such a way that he gets all the credit. Gideon has to trust and to believe that the Lord knows what he's doing, even if Gideon doesn't fully understand it. Even if he doesn't fully understand what is currently happening in his life. And the same is true for each of you. There are times in your life when you say, I don't understand what the Lord is doing. It doesn't make sense to you. It seems illogical to you. And sometimes you may feel that the God is, is working against you. But at those moments, you have to believe and trust that the Lord knows what he's doing in your life. But do you? Do I? You see, all God's promises in Christ are yes and amen. They are. But here's the thing. The fulfillment of those promises, he dictates how they're going to be fulfilled. He sets the agenda for how it's going to work out. Not us. And in this situation for Gideon, he's going to fulfill Gideon's, his promise to Gideon by saying, I need you to reduce this army. I'm going to fulfill the promise, but it's going to be fulfilled the way I want it to be fulfilled. It's going to be fulfilled in such a way that I get the glory and not you, Gideon. So Gideon has to send people home. Now, the Lord is not going to handpick the men. Gideon's not going to do any, many, many more with the men. The reduction is expressed in these words. Now, therefore, proclaim to the ears of the people, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry from Mount Gilead. The men who are fearful and trembling can go home. And this fear and trembling is not just an internal fear. They are so overcome by fear that they're actually trembling. Now, they're paralyzed by fear. It's a paralyzing type of fear where you can't move. Now, I know for those of you who are patriotic, it's easy for you to say these men are just cowards. They not want to fight for their country. They volunteered to help Gideon, and now they're scared. These are cowards. But war is a different type of beast. Please know that. These aren't trained soldiers. Israel is not in the monarchy yet. These are not trained soldiers. These are not special forces. They didn't spend six weeks in boot camp. These are farmers. These are shepherds. And so all of us can identify with them on some level. On some level, we can. Because each of us have made commitments to people, to causes, to organizations. And those commitments are great as long as they stay on paper. 
as long as it's theoretical. But when it's time for you to fulfill those commitments, when reality sets in, then that's when the fear comes. Oh, I got to do something now? You need me to do this now? Well, you committed to do it. And some of us don't because we're afraid. That's what is happening with these men. They made a commitment, but they are afraid now to overcome with fear. And the Lord tells Gideon, let them go home. This is countercultural solution by the Lord. But it's not something that's unusual in Israel. You see, what God, what Gideon commands the Lord to do, what Gideon, what the Lord commands Gideon to do, he takes it directly from the laws he gave Moses concerning warfare. Did you know that God gave Moses laws concerning warfare? And in those laws in Deuteronomy 5, there was an exemption given to men who were afraid. They were exempt from military service because of fear. This is what Deuteronomy 5, 8 says. And the officer says, speak to the people and say, if there is any man who is fearful and faint-hearted, let him go back home, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his. So what's the concern? The Lord is not reducing the army just for, so he can get the glory. He's also reducing it for the benefit of the army because he knows fear is contagious. It can spread like a disease throughout the whole camp. Then everybody is afraid to go to battle. So the Lord says, you need to send these men home. See what the Lord is doing there? He's not just thinking about his glory. He still is doing something that's going to benefit the army as well. By sending these men home. And listen, he doesn't shame them. Notice that. He doesn't tell Gideon to shame them. He doesn't beat them up for it. He just simply says, let them go home. And Gideon says to these men, he doesn't debate God. He doesn't argue with God. He proclaims to these men what God told him to proclaim. Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry from Mount Gilead. Now, I wondered to myself as I was preparing this message, how many men did Gideon actually think was going to leave? That's what I was thinking. How many did he actually think was going to leave? Would it be 5%? Would it be 20%? Maybe it would be 30% at the most. No, it's more than that. Over 50% of the men go home. Over 50% of the men leave. The text says 22 thousand left and ten thousand remain now i don't know about you but if i'm sitting there i'm sitting on these men going home i'm thinking maybe i'm the crazy one maybe maybe i'm the one who doesn't understand because again we can't take humanity out of the people in the bible they have the same emotions the same concerns the same fears the same issues as we do and so they felt a certain way, the same way that you would feel if you're in the verge of battle and you see 22,000 people leave. You weren't as confident as you were when you had 32,000. Again, it doesn't make sense. It seems illogical. Why would the Lord do this? We all have these same responses in different seasons and moments in our life. Because God at times will bring a reduction to our life. He may subtract people, places, things, dreams, plans. He may take it away. 
And you may ask yourself, why, Lord? I thought you called me to this. Why is this happening? Why are you taking this away from me? You may even feel, as I said, that he may be working against you, but he's not. We have to keep in mind that the battle belongs to the Lord. He not only does what he pleases, he knows what he's doing in your life. He's going to achieve all his plans for your life. He's going to achieve it. But the way he does it will be different from the way you think it should be. You've got to understand, we all, we all got a plan for our own life. That's why many of you went to college. That's why many of your kids will go to college. Because we got a plan for their life, and you got a plan for your life. But i got to tell you, God's plan might not be your plan. At the end of the day, his plan is one that's going to come to fruition. So he has it. He has your life. He's going to do what he's going to do for your benefit, but for his glory. He not only does what he pleases, he knows what he's doing. People are what I often call after-the-fact experts. They have all the right solutions after something has happened. Look at Facebook. Look at Twitter. They're filled with these experts. Another name for these after-the-fact experts is called Monday morning quarterbacks. Monday morning quarterbacks. They, they unfairly criticize people's decisions and, and, um, and actions of people after something has happened. Each of us here is a Monday Monday quarterback in some area. Sports, politics, we got our area. And we're experts in fields that we don't even work in. I've never been a head coach, but I criticize head coaches. I've never been a president, but I criticize the president because we have all the right answers after the fact. And we run the same game on God. We try to, particularly when he crosses our plans, particularly when he changes our direction, particularly when he hits the brakes. Then all of a sudden, we turn into the Monday morning quarterback. Well, God, I wouldn't have done it that way. I wouldn't have done it that way. But here's the thing. You're not God. Neither are you the president. Neither are you a college football coach. God knows what he's doing. He doesn't need your commentary. He doesn't need you to be a backseat driver. He doesn't need you to be a Monday morning quarterback. He has it all under control. He knows what he's doing in your life, even if you don't understand it, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it seems illogical. He has it under control. But do you believe it? But do you believe it? The same is true in Gideon's life. The Lord has it under control. He's doing something in Gideon's life. And guess what? He's not doing it yet. You think the, the 22,000 men was crazy and confusing. You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Because the Lord is going to make another reduction in the army. A second reduction. A mandatory reduction this time. You see, the Lord comes to Gideon a second time. And Gideon hasn't, hasn't stopped processing what had just happened. He's still trying to get his thoughts around the fact that 22,000 of his men is left. Then the Lord comes to him again. And he says, Gideon, the people are still too many. Again, I don't know about you. You may be more spiritual than me. Really, Lord? 
people are still too many. The Lord is full of surprises. He must be a comedian on the field on the battlefield. Because how can it still be too many when I only got 10,000 men? Again, I'm already outnumbered. And yet it's still too many. Me and the Lord would have to have a coming to Jesus meeting here because it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. It's confusing. But again, the battle belongs to the Lord. He's in control. He does what he pleases. And he also knows what he's doing. He reduces the army a second time for the same reason he reduced it the first time. Even with 10,000 people, he still knows Israel would try to take all the glory. They would try to get all the credit, even with 10,000 people. So he had to reduce the army so far down that when they look back, they can say, it had to be the Lord. <laughs> it had to be him. He had to bring them to the point of them saying, we can't do this. Then he does it, and they can look back and say, it had to be God. If, he, if God didn't move, then this was doomed to fail. That's what he's doing here. And that's what he's going to do in your life. He's going to move in your life in certain areas, in certain ways, that at the end of the day, all you can say is, my Lord, my Lord, be, be praise and glory. Because if you hadn't moved, I wouldn't have got out of this. My marriage wouldn't have got out of this. My parents, my kids wouldn't have got out of this. I wouldn't have got out of this situation if you hadn't moved. And that's what he's doing. Because he wants all the credit and all the glory for what is taking place in your life. Some of you are smart, some of you are educated, but in the day, if the Lord don't bless you, you have nothing. Nothing. It's His. He is doing it. Because if He moves His hand from your life, you have nothing. You will cease to exist. He's going to do it in a way that He gets all the glory. So after He tells Gideon these words, He gives Gideon the instructions for this mandatory reduction. Again, these are commands he's giving Gideon. He's not, he's not asking Gideon to do it. He's telling him. You know, you know, Gideon follows suit. He does what the Lord tells him to do. So the Lord is going to handpick and choose the men who are going to go with him. The Lord is given an executive order. So he says to him in verse 4, Take the men down to the water, and I will test them there for you. Any of whom I say shall go with you shall go. And whom I say will not go will not go. That's the Lord. He's being clear. I'm going to tell you who's going to go, who's not going to go. Not you, but me. So Gideon takes the men down to the water. See, this means, he said, I find it interesting that he takes them down to the water. That means the, the men are no longer at the spring of Herod. That's where they were when the, when the chapter opened. So, they, so at some point, the men left the spring of Herod, Herod and journeyed to Mount Gilead. And Mount Gilead is a mountain region east of the Jordan. And Genesis 31 says it's, it calls it the hill country of Gilead. So Gideon and his army is no longer south of the Midian camp. They're north of them. That's what come into play later because that means they have the high ground. And we know in military affairs, whoever has the high ground has advantage. So we'll we deal with that next week. So they're in this hill country of Gilead. And Gideon leads the men down to a water brook at the base of the mountain. And, he, and they drink water there. The Hebrew term for test can also mean to purge away to examine, to refine, or to sift. The Lord is going to sift the army at the water brook like you may sift flour. He's going to sift them. Now, he's not going to put them in a metal sifter and shake them 
but he's going to sift them. He's not going to part the Red Sea to do it. He's not going to do it. He's not going to perform a miracle to do it. He's going to sift them simply by the way they choose to drink water. He's going to sift them simply by the way they choose to drink water. And that's important because sometimes God works through the ordinary. Sometimes he works through the mundane of life, not the supernatural, not always through the miracles. Sometimes through the ordinary things that you go through day to day that God's working in your life. You just got to have eyes to see it. Can you see it? So Gideon takes the man down to the water brook. And this is what the Lord tells him. Whoever licks the water as one licks the dog, as a dog licks, you should sit by himself. And likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. So the question is, what are the numbers? How many are going to kneel down? And how many are going to look like a dog? Well, 300 men lit like a dog. The 9,700 nipped down. Now the question is, who's going with Gideon? The 300 or the 97? The logical number would be the 9,700. That number would make sense. But again, we're dealing with Yahweh Elohim. And the battle belongs to him. And so he sends Gideon into battle with 300 men. Because he's going to do it in such a way that he alone gets all the glory and all the credit. He says to Gideon, with 300 men, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. <sighs> Do you believe it? Would you believe it? If you're in this position, would you believe it? With 300 soldiers, I will give, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Process that. Think about that. That seems impossible from my perspective. That seems impossible. It seems too good to be true. How could 300 men win a battle in which they are already outnumbered? The odds are against them. It seems they've been set up to fail. And this is not a movie about 300 Spartans. This is real life. Okay, this happened. This is not Hollywood. Gideon is really going into battle with just 300 men. And I can't help but ask myself again, at what point did the Lord know this? At what point did the Lord know he was going to send Gideon into battle with 300 men? I mean, is he making it up as he goes? Is it what it seems like? Is he just making it up as he goes? No. He knew before he called Gideon to be a judge that he was going to send Gideon in the battle with 300 men. He already knew that. But he also knew he had to bring Gideon to a place where Gideon can trust him enough to go. Think about that. The Lord already knew this. But he had to bring Gideon to a place where he can go to battle with 300 men. And so when you look back into all the places that the Lord met Gideon, all the miracles, and all the things that the Lord did, he did all those things to bring Gideon to a place of greater faith and trust to get him to the place where he can go to battle with 300 men. For I can tell you, the Gideon he met in chapter 6 is not going to battle with 300 men. He's hiding in the wine press, beat not wheat. 
That Gideon is not going to battle with 300 men. But because God has met him in his weakness and increased his faith, now he will. Gideon trusts and believes the Lord enough to step out with less than what he wanted. Think about that. He steps, he's going to step out with less men than what he wanted. Not because of who he is, but because of who his God is. Not because of who he is, but because of who his God is. So each of you, myself and included, you can step out with less than what you want, not because of who you are, but because of who your God is. Yahweh Elohim. Jesus is his name. Because of who he is, your Savior, your Redeemer, your, your Refuge, your Strong Tower, your Lord, your King, the one who makes you right with the Father, because of who he is, you can step out with less. God says in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us, how he would not also through him give us all things. He will. God is for you. Even when it doesn't appear that he is. Even when it doesn't seem, even when his ways seem illogical and they don't make sense and you don't understand it. He is still for you. Do you believe it? His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts higher than your thoughts. He is not a man that he should lie. Nor a son a man that he should go back on his word. He would do what he said he's going to do. You have to believe it. He would do it. So you can step out with less resources. You can step out with less education. You can step out with less money. You can step out with less connections, less people, less time, less everything. Not because of who you are, but because of who your God is. That's why you step out. For the battle belongs to the Lord and not you. It's all God all day. And when the battle belongs to the Lord, the odds are always in your favor. Do you believe that? When the battle belongs to the Lord, you can let him sift your life. Because you know you're going to be okay. When the battle belongs to the Lord, you don't want to live for self-glory. You want to live for his glory. When the battle belongs to the Lord, no weapons formed against you will prosper. Do you believe that? When the battle belongs to the Lord, you can step out with 300 men. And when the battle belongs to the Lord, we can be like Kendrick Lamar. We're going to be all right. Do you hear me? Do you feel me? We're going to be all right. Do we believe it? He says in Jeremiah 32, 27. This is the Lord turning to what I call a hip-hop artist. He says, Behold, I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh. The Elohim of all mankind. Nothing is too hard for me. And he drops the mic. Let's pray. Father God, I do... Thank you that you are Yahweh, Elohim of all mankind, and nothing is too hard for you. Whoo! That's my God. And I pray that we'll believe it. That if we face the things that we face, the things that we go through, we can make it. Not because of us, but because of who you are. Because of who you are. 
and we step out in that confidence that we will get through, we will make it, we will survive, we will get delivered, we will see you, and you will do it, Lord, for your glory and for our benefit. In Christ's name I pray.